This episode is one that you're not going to want to have kids around for. So if you have little kids running around that might be listening, I highly recommend that you plug some earphones into your ears and or listen to it later, but make sure you come back to listen because today we have a very well-known guest that will be talking to us about vaginal health. So here we go. Let's start the show. I'm so glad that you found the Genuine Mom Club podcast. We live in a digital world that so often leaves mamas behind. That's why I'm here, to help you get through the days and not feel so alone. I'll be covering topics from anxiety, to homeschool, to health, to raising kids, and so much more. I'll be joined by some pretty incredible experts on all of these various topics to help you with all of your mama questions. Whatever you need, I'm right here to help you. Thank you for listening to the Genuine Mom Club podcast. Hey, welcome to the Genuine Mom Club podcast. As always, I'm very excited that you are listening in to this episode. And also, I'm very, very excited because we have a very incredible guest joining us today. Have you ever asked yourself like questions about your lady parts like you know is my vagina normal like what is up with my vagina is it healthy should I get that looked at have you ever wondered about that and I I mean listen like it's funny because people are so awkward about talking about their lady parts it's like with guys it's like they're so proud to be able to like say things about you know their man parts but when it comes to girls we tend to be a little bit more subtle when it comes to ourselves which is probably why more and more women go undiagnosed with certain conditions when it comes to their vaginal health so On this episode of the Genuine Mom Club podcast, I have the amazing Dr. Nicole Williams joining us. Dr. Nicole Williams is a native of East St. Louis and board certified obstetrician and gynecologist. With the philosophy of marrying both alternative and traditional medicine, Dr. Williams opened the Gynecology Institute of Chicago in July 2013. Since that time, she has expanded the Gynecology Institute of Chicago to three locations and has cared for thousands of patients and their vaginas. Dr. Williams has a degree in English literature and biochemistry from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and an MD from Loyola University, Chicago. In 2008, she made it to the final round of ABC's The Mole reality show, taking second place. Dr. Williams has appeared in Red Book, Prevention Magazine, Cosmopolitan, Chicago Sun-Times, Womensforum.com, BuzzFeed, and Bustle. She is a tireless advocate for women's health issues, especially maternal issues, and has successfully lobbied Congress on behalf of her patients, having her formal remarks on maternal health entered into the public record. Dr. Williams also travels the world extensively, educating and operating on those who need it most in the most far-flung places. She has worked in Haiti, Rwanda, Ghana, the Philippines, and Cambodia, just to name a few. Like goodness, she probably has a lot of air miles. Dr. Williams has also made many appearances on ABC, NPR, WGN, CBS, and Fox Chicago as a noted speaker on women's health. 
In This Is How You Vagina, Dr. Williams seeks to dispel all the myths she still hears from patients every day about their vaginas and to empower them with vagina knowledge. And she lives in Chicago, Illinois. So without further ado, I would like to officially welcome you, Dr. Williams, to the Genuine Mom Club podcast. I'm just happy to be here. I'm so excited. Like you're, you're in your scrubs. Like how cool. I am. I love I'm it. I'm still in my scrubs. It was a procedure day and I didn't get a chance to change clothes. Goodness. That is so intense and so amazing. Oh yeah. Sorry. I love it. I love it. It's authentic and it's amazing. It's genuine. That's the whole point of the genuine mom club podcast. So before we jump into the big uh, questions of the hour, we're going to first ask a little bit about yourself. So can you tell me just a little bit about yourself? Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously we know what you do, but you know, where, you know, where you're from and kind of like what brought you to this passion for women's health. So I am originally from a small town in Southern Illinois called East St. Louis. It was a really wonderful upbringing. I will never say anything about it that, I mean, I was just surrounded by love and support. I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better childhood. So I was lucky, so lucky in that. And um, I kind of sort of always wanted to be a doctor kind of somewhere deep down inside because I used to kind of cut open my stuffed animals and dig around and and like put stuff in as opposed to taking stuff out because there's nothing in there but stuffing. So I put stuff in there in order to take it out and sew them back up. So I was probably destined. It was, I was either going to do that or be a plumber. And so um, I just went and got educated and I found I was lucky enough and, and smart enough to get into medical school and did medical school and throughout the, so you, when you go to medical school, you have to learn a little bit about each specialty, like the main specialties, like family medicine, ER, internal medicine, surgery, psych, PEDS, and OB, of course. And as you go through them, you kind of figure out which thing kind of appeals to you. And um, I enjoyed surgery, but I really enjoyed OB the most of all of my specialties. I love it. It was women-centered, women-friendly. They listened to women a lot more than many of the other subspecialties that I was exploring. And I said, yeah, yeah, I think I can make a home here. And so I did, and I've been doing it ever since. What like led you to be such a leader? in women's health, like going and, you know, creating the, the gynecology Institute of Chicago and like all of that, like what kind of brought you to that? Well, Jamie, the thing that brought me to do, to start my own practice was I went myself to do like a regular women's exam. And I went to see a new doc and I was sitting there and they're like, well, she has to do a a baby. She has to do a delivery. So it's going to be like 30 minutes. And I was like, okay, well, that's fine. So I waited 30 minutes do to do 30 minutes. Okay. Oh, so, you know, they're, they're still waiting. She's still pushing. And so, you know, it's going to be another maybe half hour, 45 minutes. I'm like, that's ah, fine. I'll have anything to do the rest of the day. So I just hung out then another 45 minutes later. Oh, well, they have to do a C-section. It's going to be another hour and a half. And they don't know I'm a doctor. And I know a C-section is not going to take you an hour to do and then be able to make it back to the office. And I realized that there's no place. It's wonderful that we have doctors who deliver babies because we need them. But also we don't spend our entire lives pregnant. What about just regular stuff? What about when you have an ovarian cyst? What about if you have chronic pelvic pain? What about if you have irregular periods or hormonal imbalances? There's nobody that focused just on that. 
And it was really that light bulb that went off like, oh my God, there's not so many people who do this. I should do this myself. And I went and got extra training to learn how to do some of the more complicated, minimally invasive surgeries. And then I just started the practice. I mean, we don't do OB, but I have a very good friend of mine. I refer all my babies to, and she's very, very good at that. She does that. And I do this and it works really well. That's incredible. And I love it. I love it so much. So my, my listeners know that I have uh, endometriosis and I suffer a world of pain. Like it is not enjoyable. (laughs) And, uh, it's, it's brutal. And I have some days where I'm like right. totally fine. Like I'm, I'm, so I'm sorry. completely fine. And then other days where it's like the pain is off the charts, but I live in Canada. And so we don't have like a, you know, amazing oh. clinic like that. Right. So I go off of like, I have a, a doctor at the hospital, but she's also, you know, she has a big practice. Right. So it's harder for mm-hmm someone like me to get care. So I love that you do what you do. And I love that you're putting women first and like specializing in those things, those, you know, things that women will often just be quiet about, like they'll be in pain, like for myself, like I suffered in pain since I was 12 years old, but I just like continue to do it because nobody, well, one, like nobody would believe me. It would be like, well, you have just bad periods. Like you know, get over it. Right. Like, and, and it was just, that was how it was. (laughs) (laughs) So knowing women are always told if they're in pain, just to get over it. Or we, we tell ourselves even as women, well, you know, I should be able to take this pain because I am strong woman and I should be able to do this, but that should never be the case. If you're in pain and you're in pain to that extent, somebody should be there to say, Hey, you know what? This seems like this pain is kind of out of proportion to what a regular period is like. And you should see somebody about this. And I'm so sorry that didn't happen because we know that the average, like the time from onset of symptoms to treatment for endometriosis is anywhere between four and seven years. Yeah. And it's just because of that, that mentality. And this is probably one of the reasons that I wrote the book to make my readers know and validate their concerns and make them understand that, Hey, if somebody's not listening to you, Oh, guess what? Go find somebody else. Cause there's somebody out there who will. Oh, I love that. That is so, so, so good. I just loved what you said. I love that you're there for women. Like it just makes my heart so happy. So I had to, I had to go at it, but you know, um, okay. So what are three things that we don't necessarily know about our vaginas? Ooh, I like that one. So um, as a mommy, you know that uh, the vagina can stretch a heck of a lot more than what most of us think. And especially for ladies who haven't had children and they have sexual pain and they think that their vagina can't stretch to accommodate basically anything. If you can push something the size of a teeny tiny watermelon out of your body, so your vagina can stretch to four, five, seven times its normal size. And that's due to the amount of wonderful collagen that we have. So the vagina has two types of collagen, that's type one and type three, and they're very strong collagens. And then after you deliver about two or so months, the vagina can actually go right back for the most part to the original shape. So it is the most amazing organ as is your uterus, of course, going so big and then going right back so small, but the vagina does this in this dynamic way. And that's what I think is 
my favorite vagina fun fact that people don't know about the amount of collagen, the amount of water and the amount of stretch that she has. Wow. Um, another fun fact about the vagina is bacteria. Most of us think any bacteria are bad, right? Right. For the most part, it's like, oh my gosh, bacteria, you got to give antibiotics, you got to treat it. But as I write about in my book, this is how you vagina, I talk about bacteria as friendly. I think a lot, a lot of people now are understanding the role of healthy bacteria. So the bacteria in the vagina that we love the most is the lactobacillus species. So there's a bunch of different ones, but lactobacillus is the dominant species of bacteria in the vagina. And that bacteria actually helps to regulate your pH. So stretchy vagina, go back to normal after baby. The second fun fact is, yes, you have bacteria in your vagina and it's completely normal. And the uh, third fun fact that I really like to talk about, especially if you're not married, if you're still kind of, you know, trying out different lovers and different, different folks is that your bacteria might change depending on the person whom you're with. And with that change, because a lot of my patients ask, oh my goodness, my, 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 my smell, I have an odor now. And I go, did you change lovers? And they're like, yes. Uh And I go, this is probably why. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a disease. It just means that the bacteria has changed. Of course we can check it, but for the most part, our bacteria is a dynamic process. And so those are my, my fun vagina facts that uh, hopefully you learned something from that one. Yeah, that is so cool. Oh my goodness. I didn't even realize that. Like, that is amazing. Your, your smell can change based on your lover. That my mind is blown right now. Can you share with my listeners what the common misconceptions are about uh, fibroids? So kind of switching gears from vagina to fibroids. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, fibroids is one of the major focuses of my practice. And one thing that I do want to have all of your listeners who may have fibroids know is that some of the doctors will say, oh, well, you have a fibroid. It's really small. Don't worry about it. And that might be valid. However, what I would want from that doctor patient or practitioner patient relationship is, yes, you have a fibroid. It's small now. Let's check on it in six months or a year. Because especially if you're getting a new diagnosis of fibroids, we don't know if that fibroid is going to stay small the rest of your life or whether it will grow and will grow into the cavity. Especially if you're in your late twenties, early thirties, you may not have gotten the chance to become a mommy yet. And if it's small and then four or five years, you find you meet somebody that have a baby. What if it's too big at that point? Mm. So I want the vigilance for fibroids. That's a big misconception because Your doctor may have even told you, oh, it's not that bad. You can leave it alone. But then you leave it alone for five years and then it becomes the size of a grapefruit or an orange and then it can interfere with childbirth. So so something to follow. So make sure to follow up on your fibroid. That's that's a big one. Um, Another misconception is that fibroids can interfere, like all fibroids can interfere with babies. So the exact opposite of that is if you do have a very small fibroid and it's been monitored, you know, your, your doctor's looking at it, making sure it's okay, yeah. then it might not interfere with pregnancy 
for having a baby. It just might just kind of be there because we know by, a, by the age of 50, 70% of women are going to have a fibroid, 80% of women are going to have a fibroid. But of that, only a smaller percentage of women is actually symptomatic. So the key is to determine who's going to have a problem with their fibroids and who is not. So that's another misconception that all fibroids are going to interfere with being able to have a baby. And that's also not quite the case, but certainly something to keep track of. Wow. And um, what, one other misconception that I can think of off the top of my head, fibroids don't always cause pain. They can cause pain, but it's usually when they're bigger and they're bulky and they cause pressure. If you have a small one, it may not cause any pain. But that's certainly something that we do want to keep monitoring over time. And that's how we're going to kind of win the battle against fibroids is with diligence and monitoring. Wow. And I love that because it, I find a lot of medical people, when you have a fibroid, I'm speaking from experience and also from people that I know, so many women that I know, and they've been diagnosed with fibroids, but it's just like, oh, it's normal you'll be fine. And then it's just kind of like, it's off their shoulders, but it's not because then the, like I have a friend and she's in so much pain all the time. She has a fibroid on Mm -hmm. her ovary and it is apparently the size of a golf ball. And she's had like, um, that's big enough. Yeah. Yeah. She's had ultrasounds and, and all of that. And it's just a, well, it'll go away. It'll break down. And it's like, she's in so much pain and I'm so tired of women's health just being something that's, you know, so swept under the carpet. And that's why we need to make a lot more noise about these things. And that's the entire reason why I decided to devote my specialty to gynecology only, because like I said, we only spend a very tiny amount of our lives pregnant. The rest of our lives are doing other things. And to have your friend be in that kind of pain for that amount of time, and nobody's even doing, you know, a proper workup. That's when I wish, you know, as your friend in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that's a tough one. That's yeah. a tough one. Yeah. I am not privy to the ins and outs of the Canadian health system. Just so you know, I'm not an expert in it. Yeah. But yeah. then again, you just you might have to wait and, you know, in order to be able to get, you know, maybe even just to have a proper diagnostic workup. Yeah, that's why we need to make a lot more noise because OB-GYN isn't all babies because there's so many other things. There's so many other things like <laughs> like I, I feel like we have such a complex and amazing reproductive system that there needs to be more doctors that mm-hmm. just dedicate themselves to taking care of that system. Like whether you're <laughs> like like you said, like pregnancy happens for like a short duration of your life, the rest of your life, you need somebody taking care of that area for you. Yeah, you really, really do. And that is why I do this. And that's really one of the reasons why I wrote this is how you vagina is because I can't reach everybody. But I kind of wanted to kind of send out a little a little SOS to all these ladies who are out here with so many questions and those questions are still remaining unanswered because when you go to the internet, it may not tell you, or they're going to give you, there's so much misinformation out there. And one of the reasons why I wrote, this is how you vagina is to say, Hey, this is what's really going on. 
And this is when we want, I would want you to be worried and then yes, talk to your provider, but then here are other things about your vagina that are amazing and you should be proud of being a vagina owner and know that these things are normal. I love that. Be proud of being a vagina owner. That is like, that is like a quote that needs to like be made famous because that is amazing. Put it I, on love a sticker. It. I love it. I'm going to get that as a bumper sticker for the back of my car. <laughs> proud owner of a vagina. I'm going to put that right on. I love it. I think I'm going to get one. Proud I vagina owner. Idea. We're going to, we're going to uh, market that and uh, get it sent out to the world. It'll be your there new slogan. It's a merch. <laughs> I love it. All right. So how do you know if your vagina is normal? For the most part, most vaginas are normal. If you kind of give her what she needs, if you're staying well hydrated, you have a normal monthly cycle and it doesn't have to be exactly 28 days lasting exactly four days, just kind of generally once a month, give or take. And you have a clear discharge that if you're not on any kind of hormonal contraception that might become viscous, like really thick like egg whites at mid cycle. That is normal, healthy discharge. So know that you're going to have a little discharge every single day. And that's actually part of having a normal vagina. Cause that indicates that you're well hydrated because think about it like this. We're always making saliva, but we don't think about it because we don't have to spit it out. Cause if we did, then we'd be like, what the hell all the time, <laughs> because our vaginas, if they're healthy, they're going to make a little liquid and some of it's going to come out on your underwear and that's okay. You don't have to put a panty liner on it because when it's exposed to air, it's going to dry as will your underwear if you're wearing cotton. So that's a normal, healthy vagina, a little daily discharge, maybe a little bit more at mid cycle, maybe a little bit more just prior to menstruation. Um, it shouldn't itch or burn or anything like that. I want all of your listeners also to consider having a look and knowing what their normal vagina looks like, because no two are alike. It's just like faces. In my book, I actually have an art installation plate from a British guy, no less, the Brits. Gotta watch out for the Brits. He made plaster casts of all of these different vulvae. And he put them up so everybody could see that what's normal is a continuum. And actually having asymmetrical labia is more common than having symmetrical labia. And that's all the more reason why I put it in the book, because I want people to know, hey, that's what I want. To, I, that's what I want my vagina owners to say. Yeah, I'm normal. And I love my vagina. Oh, that's so good. That's another bumper sticker right there. <laughs> I love it. Man, That's... I'm just coming up with some pearls here. I know. <laughs> this is so good. I love it. All right. So what made you decide to study the history of vaginas and how is it relevant in today's society? I decided to study the history because I was a humanities major in undergraduate. I know seemed like to major in some kind of science, which I did, but I also majored in English literature. And when you major in English literature, you understand the value of knowing history. Because when you know your history, you're not gonna repeat the idiotic mistakes that our ancestors did from antiquity forward. And I decided to look at that and go, 
what did the ancient people do with vaginas? And oddly enough, we are still doing some of the silly things that they did because we're not aware of them. And that's why I put the history in there. You've heard of vaginal steaming? Actually, no, I haven't. Okay, well, maybe it's an American thing. (laughs) So I've had some patients of mine, that's why I wrote about it in the book, about uh, they they, um, go to these places and pay money and sit over this like medieval toilet and they, you, they put herbs and stuff in there. It's supposed to like, you know, detoxify you. First of all, your vagina is not toxic. <laughs> but I found out in, in looking at the history that the ancient Egyptians actually used to do steaming of that area. Now, maybe it was for ritual purposes or something like that, but just know that if the Egyptians did it, just because they did it and they might've done some very cool things like mummification, doesn't mean that we need to do that today in modern society. I've never heard of vaginal steaming. Well, let's not give it any more play because um, <laughs> you know we don't want anybody to think about it. So yes, but that was, that's just one of the things that I want to tie from history to current. Yeah. So we know that the ancient peoples did some really weird things with vaginas we should be better than that because we should be smarter. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm definitely learning a lot actually. Like I didn't actually know that your vagina is different from everyone else's. Like I I had no idea that like your, your vagina is like a face, like it's completely unique. Like that just, wow. Like my mind is blown. (laughs) Even twins. Really? Yep. Even twins. And what in the, in the plate, in the cast, like the guy actually took twins and put them there and they're not exactly alike. Whoa. That is like, that is insane. I know. Wow. That is so insanely so cool. All of our like, vaginas are unique and special and amazing. Aw, and we need to start treating them like they are. Right? Well, that's why we're here talking about it. So then your listeners will go, huh, I'm going to treat her right from now on. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a nice bath for you, <laughs> but no steaming, no steaming, no steaming, just a nice, nice warm bath. You can put out, you know, a couple drops of tea tree oil, which is really, really nice. It has a really nice kind of very clean scent. You don't have to put no douching or anything like that. We know that's completely useless, but a bath is really, really nice. And she likes that. So what inspired you to write the book? This is how we vagina or how you vagina. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, what inspired me to write, this is how you vagina, um, all about your vagina and why you probably shouldn't call it that was because I still, I've been in practice now for more than 15 years and I still had patients asking me the same questions and I go, okay, how can I make this better? Like, how can I improve upon what I do on a regular basis? Because I can talk to each individual patient and that's really great. And that person is learning, but how could we get this out there so that more people understand and we are smarter vagina owners and more proud vagina owners and of course during lockdown you know how everybody was baking bread and like building stuff in their garages um I said well you know I I live in an apartment so I guess I'll just start writing and I meant to write a pamphlet honestly I started out to write like a handbook like five pages, 10 pages. But then I started going, oh my God, I really got to write about 
itchy vaginas. Oh my God, I got to write about bloody vaginas and birthing vaginas. Absolutely. And then what about orgasms? And what about sex? And what about this? And so by that time, I had written how many pages is this book? Uh, 200 and I still don't believe the 257. Wow. Okay. It was way more than that, but the editors got a hold of me and they, they, they had to chop up some stuff, but um, I, I just kept going and going. And I realized that this might actually be something that people would really want to read. I love that. I love that idea. I love that you started it as a pamphlet and it turned into this amazing book that's going to help so many women. Like it's just, I hope so. it's amazing. You have such a gift and I'm just so blown away by it. So what do you think is the most important takeaway for the reader of This Is How You Vagina? The most important takeaway is that vagina knowledge is vagina power. When we know and we understand what a normally working vagina feels like, smells like, looks like, then if something is abnormal, then we'll also know when we need to make some noise and tell our doctors, nurse practitioners, PAs, whomever you see, hey, I have this knowledge about my vagina and I know what she's like normally and this isn't quite right. So then that's gonna help you. That's gonna arm you with knowing what is what feels abnormal to you and when you should go in and go, you know what, let's check this out. It's almost like a vagina handbook, like a instruction manual, like a user's manual yeah. for your vagina. Yeah. That's awesome. And I love it because especially, you know, all around the world, unfortunately, it's really hard to take, like to get care for your vagina, like just up in Canada. Like I'm literally right above you <laughs> and it's, it's hard. Like in right. order to get care for your vagina, you literally have to like jump through hoops to get it. And it's just so nice that you've made this accessible for women. You've made this, you know, you can't have all of the women in the world come to your practice, but you've given them the opportunity to have this amazing user guide that can help them know, you know, what's normal, what's not, you know, what to do. Like, that's just amazing. And it's such an amazing thing that you've done. Well, thank you. I really hope that if only one woman feels better about her vagina after having read this book, then I've done my job. Oh, that's so good. I love that. I'm going to put all of the information in the show notes for where people can purchase your book and also where they can find you on social media. So if you want to just uh, run through it really quick and I'll also attach it to the show notes, but you can give us that information. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at um, thisishowyouvagina.com. I would urge you, if you do want to pick up the book, talk to your local bookseller because they have a treasure trove of other books that you might discover when you go to find my book. My book is available in Canada as well. So yay, oh, Canada. (laughs) And um, so that's, this is how you vagina.com. Please buy local if you can. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Life. And I am on Facebook at Gynecology Institute of Chicago. I know it's really, really long. If you just type in Gynecology Institute, it should actually come up. And um, I got my Facebook. I got my website. I got my Instagram. We got everything. Perfect. That's the best. And so if somebody wanting to check out the book, you have information for it on your website as well. Mm -hmm. 
Perfect. Uh, it's on thisishowyouvagina.com. All right. All of that information will be included in the show notes. And I just want to say a very big thank you to you for joining us on the Genuine Mom Club podcast. I really loved this conversation and I am more than certain that our listeners will love it. And I know how busy you are. So the fact that you took this time to chat with us is just amazing. Thank you so much. It is absolutely my pleasure and uh, happy vaginas. (laughs) I love it.